Hello and welcome to the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. I'm Jarrett and I'm here with Long Deep and Rob Hill Williams. The the triumphant return of That's Rob right. Hill Williams. Uh missing for one whole podcast. I know you missed me. <laughs> and now I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And before you uh you ask or write the comment that you're writing right now. Yes, Long's last name is in fact Deep. His name is Long Deep. It there is was awesome. I minded philosophical discussion about that name about five minutes ago. <laughs> yes, it was. For all those readers curious, yes, I've I've heard the porn star comments since high school, guys, so I am drinking it up. Yep. He he's the man. I would love to go into a bar and tell like go like, what's your name? My my name's Long. Long deep. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Just like that. Man, I love how within the course of about three podcasts, we have shot that family-friendly podcast right out the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. Um, All right, so anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those of you who are curious as to why you're hearing from us in the middle of the month, well, we have so much to talk about that we've decided that we're going to have two MASHcasts a month which means it's going to be bi-weekly. So this is no longer the monthly MASH cast for MASH those buttons. This is actually just the MASH cast, and we're going to do it every two weeks. What was um, this episode four? This is episode three. Oh, well then. But we've, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we've had, two, uh, we've had two special editions, so, I mean, I, I'll, I'll let you go on that one, Rob. Episode okay. four, two weeks, episode four. So you'll be there. Say the same thing you did in two weeks. It'll be cool. Exactly. That's cool. All right, but we're going to stop messing around. We're actually going to get right into it. Um, let's talk about what everybody's been playing. Um, Rob, why don't you go first? Uh, well, I'm real simple because I haven't had any free time. So I've been playing a little bit of Dragon Age, haven't really gotten that far, and I have played Slamble Scrappers. Also, actually forgetting about it um, and remembering just now, um, I did start playing uh, Final Fantasy Dissidia again because of my trip times going back and forth from packs. So there you go. That's it. <laughs> All right, cool. How about you, Long? Um, ever since being soured from MVC3, as some readers may remember my review, and having a little more lax deadline, uh, I've just gone back to Battlefield Bad Company 2 to place a little bit of that. And if any readers have seen me probe in the servers, you might have seen the tag 0XR and bracket MTB. And if you have, then yeah, that's me. And other than that, just playing some of the Assassin's Creed games because I know the guys um, on MASH that did the Assassin's Creed MASH cast, they pretty much told me that it's a highly recommended series, and I just said, you know, time to sit down and really get through it. Yeah, the Assassin's Creed really is awesome. Not going to talk too much about it because that's why we did that entire podcast. <laughs> so if you want to hear so about it, go Assassin's back and look it up. Yeah, exactly. It is on iTunes, right in line. So See? advertising. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> it <laughs> so, begins. Yeah, but for those who haven't played Assassin's Creed, it is definitely worth playing. And uh, the only thing I will say is just play through the first one, make it through it, and try. Just believe me, it is so worth it when you get to part two. <laughs> but um, in terms of what I've been playing. I guess I've been playing the most out of everybody uh, because I'm still playing Hard Corpse, which we talked about last time. Um, I got a fight stick, 
So, since I got the fight stick, I've been playing Marvel's Capcom 3 and Super Street Fighter 4, and uh, yes, I'm still terrible at them, but I'm playing with a fight stick, so that instantly makes me better than anybody who is not playing with a fight stick. <laughs> but um, besides that, uh, also I'm also playing Slam, Slam Bolt Scrappers, which I do want to get into a little bit, uh, because it's a really awesome game. Uh, but be besides that, um, I played some of Beyond Good and Evil HD. Um, if you have not played Beyond Good and Evil HD, or if you played Beyond Good and Evil but didn't buy Beyond Good and Evil HD, you are officially a bad person. Because that game is just, it rocks, and it deserves your money. Have you, yes, <laughs> and the more people that buy the HD remix, you know, at least in the general sense, you're helping the idea, or at least the fact that maybe they'll pull that game back out of development limbo and finish it, <laughs> the the second one. So buy it, help out, help the cause. Yeah, it's it an only, awesome game. It's only ten dollars for the price of one meal at Chick-fil-A. You can help bring a game out of development ling limbo. And also get an awesome game aside from that for $10. It, it's worth more for $10 for that game than a lot of games are worth at $60 right now. So uh, get it. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so these, these, are your, these are your commands leaving this podcast, by the way. Um, five seconds after the podcast is over, you'll be put into a trance, and you will instantly go to your Xbox and buy the game. I was actually imagining more like Moses on the Mount, like holding up like Beyond Good and Evil on a stone tablet. <laughs> but, you know, the, you know, hypnotism works too. So that okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just gotta stick around for the buzz after the end of the, the podcast, and you know, yeah, they'll totally and, forget about it by the time we get to the end of this thing. So, oh yeah, they will. Yeah, All right. And for Moving those on. who are, um, who don't own a 360, I know that it's slated to come out on PSN very soon, and the PlayStation blog even mentioned that. Um, players who buy Beyond Good and Evil HD on PS3 will actually get some bonus goods. Ah, that's cool. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about releases, what actually came out uh, since the last time we did the podcast. Uh, Homefront came out. Um, what do you, did any, well, We were at PAX. Well, I know me and Rob were at PAX, which that's actually something we're not going to talk about in this podcast, being at PAX. Because we have an entire podcast that is two hours and twenty three minutes long dedicated to that, um, but we There's were a at lot to talk about. Yeah, there was a lot to talk about. Yeah, sad faces. <laughs> but uh, so Homefront came out. I played it at PAX. Rob, did you play it at PAX? I actually did not. Uh, not for any particular reason, except that like I felt like I already under knew what the demo was going to be about because all of you other guys had played it. And everybody told me about it. So I was like, okay, well, I don't really need to play it now. I, I have plenty of other things to look at on the show floor. So kind of gotcha. skipped on it. I do plan to pick it up. Um, I didn't get to pick it up this week, but I'll probably pick it up next week. Okay. How about you, Long? Did you get a chance to play Homefront? Um, not really. I mean, it really doesn't interest me very much. And I heard that the development team that kind of uh, was working on it and, and whatnot, they kind of did a sloppy job on I guess you can say composing the game, which already left a bad impression on me. So that's one that's being skipped by me. Uh, I played it, and it took me to the second day to play it, and this is why. When I walked past that booth a couple times, and on the 360, the game looks like trash. And so I was like, ugh, I'm not even going to waste my time. However, what happened was I did find some time 
some uh, during the the media hour that we had. I did find a little time, so I picked it up. I actually started playing it. The gameplay is uh, it's actually uh, it's not bad. I I put it in the good category, not spectacular, not you know groundbreaking, but good. You know, so uh, it was better than I thought because of you know the because of the appearance. I had low expectations, but. Uh, I know uh, Jason Bond is doing a review on that, which should be done sometime soon. So, uh, actually, maybe up by the time this podcast is published. So, we'll see what happens. We'll see what he says, because he's actually playing through the whole game. Dragon Age 2 also came out. Now, you played some of that, right, Rob? You haven't really been... I, I have. Far into it. Yeah, I mean, it was the the only real game I've actually gotten to play. Um, you know, I've been busy with other things, obviously packs and things for the site and new job, so uh, day job. <laughs> so right, right. been uh, been busy, but uh, Dragon Age Two. I I guess the only thing I can really say, and I try and keep it short, um, is that I don't know how I feel about how it seems like every RPG now is going the route of turning into an action game. It. It does keep you more, uh, you know, involved in what's going on rather than just, you know, hitting attack and then kind of sitting back and just casting, you know, spells and things of that nature as you go. But I don't know. It just seems like, man, I'm pressing the X button a lot and kind of for no reason. You know, I I don't know. I felt like Dragon Age, the first Dragon Age was a little more tactical. And it seems like it's just a move that a lot of RPGs are making. And I just don't know how I feel about it. It's a good game. Uh, I mean, the the conversation systems and everything else are still there. They definitely streamlined it more along the lines of how Mass Effect 2 came out. Um, And Mass Effect 2 is a wonderful game. Um, It's just a different... It's it's a more political story and and more involved in terms of that nature instead of being a just a, a sweeping you know fantasy epic of a hero that rises above all and conquers crazy monsters and that sort of thing. It's it's a little more nuanced than that so far. So I mean I'm not very far in it to say you know thumbs up thumbs down. I do know that uh, Nick Santangelo he uh, did a full review on the site that's up now. So take a look at it. Yeah, he did. I had a chance to read it. Um, from what I saw, you spend a lot of time in one place or in one area. You, that... you do so far. Kirkwall is like the main area of the game. It would be almost like if you spent, ha- you know, 75% of the game in Denerim in the first Dragon Age, which is kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, as I'm saying, like for RPG, like you're so used to exploring and getting out of the area and going from area to area. So I don't know how I feel about that. Even though I didn't even play the first Dragon Age, which I was thinking about doing, but... Yeah, we'll see. I still have my stack here of games I didn't play. I think Nailed is somewhere under that stack now. Like, that's the next unwrapped game. Or next game I need to unwrap and actually play. (laughs) So. Really bad with that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, So, besides that, there was MLB uh, 2011, 2K11. I don't think any of us have played that, but it's still a major release. Like, you guys didn't play that, right? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was going to say that um, I know 2K's games um, are trying to put serious competition, but um, as far as MLB uh, 2011, the show, which is a Sony studio production, I think everyone's been commenting, at least from what I've seen around the web, that um, the sh- uh, MLB, the show 2011, is so much more solid than... Uh, MLB um, 2K11 by 2K Games. Yeah, it's it's basically kind of the same deal as it was last year. I mean, 
Yeah, at least from you know everything that I've read up on both games, like Two K Eleven is a good game, and it's the only choice if you don't have a PS Three. Um, but it's still not it's still not the show. The show just had is so deep and so intricate. I mean, for baseball buffs, uh, it's it's the best game that you can get if you have the option to get it. Get it. But I haven't actually played either one, so I can't give you a personal you know rundown on either one of those. Well, I'm not even gonna talk about them because I hate baseball. <laughs> so, all right so then we're uh, moving on to the next yeah, game we're, we're, we're gonna move it on i'll let you guys talk about it i'm, I'm gonna not say my piece <laughs> but uh so besides that rift was released which rift apparently is not azeroth because that's what every ad says Yes, right. I know it is. It's not as a hundred person size sign at PAX that said just that. Yeah, like how are you gonna have an advertisement anymore? That's it. That's all it said. <laughs> how I don't know you... anything about the, anything else about the game, but I know we're not in World of Warcraft. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like that's basically what the ad says. Rift, we're not WoW. Boom. <laughs> that is it. Like really. You can't establish your own personality. Uh, like, come on, that makes me not even want to like really play the game. Like, you know, even the commercial, the commercial has a couple of clips. Um, one that looks like it came out of Two Human. Like, have you, did you, did either of you guys play Two Human? Um, I tried to avoid that game, like the plague. I did play the demo of it, but that game was pretty bad for as long as it's been in development. Yeah, it was it was terrible, but like. One of the things that happens, like, every time you die, this, like, little robot angel comes from the sky and, like, revives you. Um, and Rift, there's, like, that commercial, there's, like, a part like that. So I was like, well, that reminds me of Two Human. That's a big negative. Um, but other than that, it was basically just show some clips of some stuff happening. Then a portal opens. A big squid pops his tentacles out of the... <laughs> out of the uh, the portal and then it says you're not Nazareth anymore and I'm like obviously like yeah it's yeah <laughs> so we don't know anything about Rift besides the fact that it's not WoW <laughs> and we're um, just gonna oh Wong I mean, does I was, I was gonna say um, my girlfriend's actually playing it and she's actually more engaged in it uh, than she was on WoW and I know a few of my friends uh, here and there. They've actually they kind of quit WoW temporarily and said, you know, Rift looks interesting. We're gonna give this a shot. And so far, they haven't crawled right back to Blizzard's clutches. They've been clearly happy with Rift. So apparently, they're doing something right that Blizzard totally botched on or something. So uh, who knows? I mean, I don't know the exact logistics. And my girlfriend just can't quite explain it. She's just like, it's fun. That's that's all I can tell you. It's just more fun than WoW ever was for me. Yeah. Well, well, that's a good thing, I guess. I mean, that's uh, a lot of people stick to WoW because it's you know it's the game to play. But if Rift is more fun, then more power to them. Yeah, I mean, I guess it shows that that the development team of Rift knows what they're doing. The marketing team, not so much. <laughs> need a little help. They, they <laughs> yeah. need a little help. Yeah, maybe we should yeah. go talk to the devs, get some ideas, you know. <laughs> but uh, okay, so besides Rift. The game that is not WoW. Uh, you have Pokemon Black and White for the DS. This Reviews is the... out. Go read it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, this is the first Pokemon I have not picked up, and that's because I really don't play my PSP. Well, I'm just sorry, I'm a PSP, my DS. 
I got PSP on the brain. <laughs> you know, I don't play my DS, so it's like even if I got it, I don't really think I'd play it. So, man, I'm assuming you two haven't played it either. I didn't even finish Soul Silver, so I I really couldn't justify picking up uh you know black or white. Um, fiance is playing it. She likes it. She basically said that it is it's Soul Silver and Heart Gold, except you know there's some different Pokemon now. All your starter park, all of your starter Pokemon are well, to put it bluntly, bitches. Apparently, like none of them are really good, and the game kind of sets you up to fail. Like when you go to gyms. Uh, every other Pokemon game kind of has you go through a cycle where you leave your town, you go through like wild areas and you can fight trainers and wild Pokemon and you build up your levels and then you go to a gym uh, and face off. Apparently this one kind of goes in reverse. Like you don't really get to fight that many like wild Pokemon or trainers on the way to the gym, the first gym. And the first gym has you fighting triplets. So it's like a complete like beatdown apparently for like the first gym that you go to. And it, it's kind of backwards compared to, uh, you know, how other Pokemons have worked. So she was a little frustrated by that. But, I mean, otherwise she said it's it's decent. She likes collecting Pokemon, but she doesn't really care about the game. <laughs> so if it's if it's the same as Soul Silver and Heart Gold, which to my understanding is the same as Silver and Gold that came out in the 90s. Yeah, the, I mean, Pokemon doesn't change much. I mean, the story is different, but, like... Really, I mean, like, how much are you really going to change the core game mechanic of Pokemon? You catch Pokemon and you fight the, against other Pokemon with them. It's it's the same thing it has been for, you know, the last 10 years or so. That is true. Eh, well, what you going to do? Uh, besides that, God Eater Burst came out, which I did not put that video on YouTube. Only my real friends can see it. When I say my real friends, the ones that are on Facebook, of course. Um... Because that makes your friendship official, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> I did. <laughs> I do have a video of a um, of the package that we received from D3 Publishing with all the goodies that all the promotional goodies that came with it. Um, they they sent us a real like emergency kit with stuff called emergency water, food rations, uh, f- batteryless flashlights emergency blankets, all that like cool stuff, plus like an art book and some stuff. I really don't know too much about the game though, yet. <laughs> um, we do have somebody on it and they are reviewing it. Nick Santangelo is actually reviewing that. So, we are going to actually have that up soon. I do know the game was very popular in Japan though. It was a very popular game in Japan. It was supposed yeah. to be kind of like the Monster Hunter killer, I guess. Um, at least from what I had heard of the game but I really don't know much aside from that either and the crazy survival kit that you got the video of. Yeah, I was going to say, as far as uh, God Eater Burst goes, uh, a lot of the community sites for games and things like that have been saying that it's a little more mature as far as like story and dialogue go um, versus Monster Hunter because Monster Hunter is kind of, I guess you can say, more universal in appeal, so it's both kids and adults. And supposedly, God Eater Burst is supposed to appeal a little more to adults. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll find out soon enough. Um, Nick, he's he's a he's a good writer because he works for us, so it's going to be a good review. <laughs> but uh, he uh, he'll have that out soon, and uh, you know we'll we'll update you guys when it's out. You should be following us on Twitter because that's how you get the good info. Um, Twitter.com/slash/mtbsite. You can go do that right now, and we'll remind you at the end of the show too. <laughs> but uh. Besides God Eater Burst, you also had Okami Den, 
which uh, Mikey, um, uh, Mikey Kenny actually wrote that review for us. It just went up today. Um, he, he, he appeared to, to like it. Either of you get to play Okami then? Haven't. Um, I actually got to play it because uh, Mikey was actually over here in the Dallas office to let me check it out for a little bit. And yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, for those that aren't used to the weird quirky artwork and everything, the only way you can understand it is if you've played the first um, Okami, which was on PS2, and also it's available on the Wii as well. So before you go bashing the artwork, understand where Capcom is coming from. And if you're a big Capcom fan, there are tons of inside jokes, um, things that reference minor Capcom games to uh, Akuma's uh, killer super move, uh, Shin Goku Sats um, as well. So... If you are keen on Capcom jokes, uh, Japanese mythology, and just a interesting, I guess you can say, interpretation of uh, the sun goddess myth and everything, then yeah, Okamiden definitely up your alley. Okay. Uh, we also we already mentioned Beyond Good and Evil HD. Uh, so besides that, in terms of like notable Ender-E releases. The only thing we could really think of was Slam Bolt Scrappers came out on the fifteenth. Uh, so Rob, I know you're doing the full review, Rob, and you actually wrote up the hands-on. So, what do you tell us? What you think about it? Uh, I mean, my hands-on really covers a lot of my initial thoughts from playing the demo. Um, but playing the actual game, I mean, thoughts are more or less the same. I've actually just been delving a lot in the campaign as far as Slam Bolt Scrappers goes. Um, campaign is basically you doing, you know, fighting against computer player one on one. Uh, and the game function is basically the same. You beat up uh, the little, the baddies that fly on screen to like destroy your blocks to get blocks from them. Uh, each different color baddie is a different block color when you actually destroy it, and you use those. And when you build the blocks, you actually are building weapons that attack your opponent's blocks. And like basically, you're both just building up blocks to build weapons so that you can destroy each other's blocks. And like whoever destroys all of the other person's weapons by the end, they win. Um, Another crazy thing that I didn't know actually until I actually started playing the game in the campaign mode, the full game, um, is that there's actually bosses in the game. Um, like they, they're the first boss I took on was actually like a giant robot who like shoots these huge like versions of like certain weapons that you get to that your blocks when you make up your blocks they. Uh, he shoots like huge versions of them. Like he shoots a huge drill that like goes onto your side and drills into one of your weapons and tries to destroy it. And you have to use both building the blocks up and you know beating up the little bad guys that come on screen to build up your weapons. In addition to actually you know going over to the boss and punching him in like a certain weak spot, so then that your weapons can actually hurt them. Uh, it's a pretty interesting dynamic. Um, I think the core of the game though really is the the multiplayer. Um, the the versus is like a really fast paced and fun mode. Um, it definitely has like a lot of tactics to it. Once you actually start getting into it, it's definitely something you want to have like your you know your number one ombre play with you that know you know that you guys know each other when you're playing a certain game. Um, it's almost like having somebody back you up in a first person shooter really because of the way the game runs. It's you know, you're fighting you're fighting the bad guys that are coming down that are trying to destroy your blocks so you can get more blocks. You're fighting your opponents, you know, you can beat each other up to take each other out of the fight, you know, temporarily. And you're trying to build at the same time. So there's a lot of lot of things going on at once. It's kinda of chaotic at first, but when you get a hang of it, it's it's a fun game. 
really fun. Oh yeah, I um, I <clears throat> the presentation of the game. Like because it looks like a Tetris game can be a little it can be a little deceiving because when you, you play a, a Tetris game it's like oh yeah I'm here to relax and it's not gonna be too intense and blah blah like no not this game like it, it, you need to drink Tiger's blood before you play this game <laughs> <laughs> before you go there you can't sit back you need to be aggressive like when you play this game you gotta yeah. get in it you gotta you, know, you gotta protect your blocks and you gotta get your enemy's face so you can knock them out. Like, yeah, it's 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 serious. It can yeah, cause some a lot arguments. Of, a lot can, of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, it can it can break some friendships. You know, I could definitely see one of those things like, oh, I hate you. No, I hate you. Well, that's why I slept with your sister. Blah 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 oh. blah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you think know. I've ever had any fights like that over a video game, but that's uh, that is pretty good though. That's <laughs> well, uh, test your close friend. Test your uh, close friendships with this game. <laughs> Because uh, yeah, it can it can get pretty serious. But it is all jokes aside. It is a is a very fun game. Uh, it is a it is pretty intense. Like it's you know there's a lot of chaos. Like not only do you have um, to beat up the monsters to get the blocks, you have the monsters that attack your blocks. You have to worry about not only your opponents beating you up and taking your blocks, but you can also get power-ups to do things like jack blocks, you know, like, you know, take a crowbar and, like, pop blocks out of the other structure, um, or other power-ups that, like, make it easier to knock enemies out, you know, stuff like that, like, it is a, it's been in development for a while, it's going through a lot of, uh, a lot of versions or iterations, uh, iterations, and, uh, I think the final product that uh, Fire Hose came out with was excellent, excellent, and well worth the wait. So I would definitely recommend trying out Slam Bolt Scrappers if you haven't yet. I mean, you can you can get the demo on PSN uh, for free, so you just might as well try the demo. And then when you lose a couple friends, buy the game because you're going to be lonely. Uh, but uh, let's uh, let's move on to the actual, I guess, news. You can say. Um, early this month was GDC, actually first week of the month, end of February going into the beginning of of uh, March. Uh, first thing we have is the Gaikai. Am I saying that correctly? G A I K A I. I think it's Gaikai, right? I, I think that's what so. we decided was the official what we were going to call it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it, we can't see why it would be na- you know called anything else really. Okay, seems like uh, the pronunciation. Yeah, I think it's it's Gaikai. Basically, it's uh it's a technology, or I guess they're the company. Yeah, they're, they're the company because the actual name of the technology they use is called Roku Server, I believe. Um, basically, what happens is, or the way it works, is you stream games through the internet. That's the basic idea, but it doesn't suck. So <laughs> it's uh it's like really smooth. I played Dead Space Two through uh, a browser while I was somewhere that had a like a low powered PC the PC was not built for gaming okay uh, and I was able to play Dead Space 2 at pretty uh, pretty high graphics and it ran at I would say I would have to say about 30 frames per second but that could have been for cinematic purposes and it was the controls were perfect and the sound was perfect and it looked perfect. I, could, I had zero complaints. Um, I was on a good internet connection, though. I, I will tell you that. Um, on a 
bad internet connection, it probably won't work out so great. But the whole point of this isn't necessarily so that you can play games through your browser. The actual, their business model from what I've read is that they want you to be able to try games before you buy games. So the actual technology isn't really made for the consumer, it's made for the publishers and the developers so that they can give you a chance to try a game quickly. Like, instead of having to go, you know, go to somebody's website, read up on their game, oh, go here, go click here for File Planet to download a demo. Instead of having to do that, you click one button, you install this plugin, and then boom, you're, you're playing the game. That, that That's it. Uh, they have images of some of their games being played through Facebook. Uh, I didn't play my, I didn't play Dead Space 2 through Facebook. I played it, uh, it was just on a website after I took a survey. But it is, uh, it's very nice. Did either of you get a chance to play through, uh, any of their uh, demonstrations they had? Um, I got to play around with the Gaikai demo, and they had Mass Effect 2 posted as one of the games that you could try out. And I played that, and it plays rather smooth, and I was seriously impressed. And if they're hoping to tout this technology as a future way to demo PC games from basically any machine, doesn't matter if it's a wimpy netbook to a high-end gaming rig, just to give you an idea of what the game is about, what the premise is, then they've got something solid, and I really hope that this really takes off because, you know, if this puts a much easier way than, like Jared's example, you know, fiddling around with File Planet, waiting in the queue until it's your turn to go click download, then, yeah, it's really going to increase the ability for PC gamers to check out games and, you know, maybe buy digital games more often because I know that there's some publishers who are like, oh, well, PC's a dead market. Who wants to develop for PCs? I mean, typically it's because, you know, there's so many shortcuts and you have no idea of what you're buying for PC. And if more if more publishers can take up the um, Gaikai demo uh, system that they've been showing off, then, you know, there's serious potential for the PC uh, gamer to really seriously look into PC games, get a good idea of what they're going to buy, and, you know, um, there's possible returns on that, and that should be a good thing for publishers. Yeah, I, um, besides the fact, besides just demo and PC games, I mean, I think it's really a, uh, it's really a good way for, I mean, I, I'll put it like this. If it fails, like this whole thing about them demoing PC games fails, they could they they really can turn this into its own platform uh, of just playing PC games streaming, because there are tons of people out there that don't play PC games because they just don't have the PCs. They they don't have the performance they need. Uh, so not only would you open up access to people with low end PCs. Uh, game, you'd be, ha be able to open up games to Mac users and Linux users. Like, it'll be universal now. That would, that would just, that would explode <laughs> right there, you know. That, that would open up uh, for so many people to play. And then they can actually see how dominant the PC really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to definitely agree on the uh, point of getting Linux players in on the mix because uh, so many developers... Uh, I know they just uh, go, well, you know, Linux doesn't have that big of a user base. But then when you go to communities like the Wine community, 
you see that there are tons of people trying to feverishly make games compatible so people can kind of limp through the game on Linux if they have a halfway decent setup. And then for gamers that dual boot and use both Linux and Windows, uh, more than often, you know, they end up having to jump back to Windows just to play their games in full quality instead of going into limp mode and just trying to limp through it. And, you know, great point. If they do push it through as a uh, play game streaming platform, then, yeah, they really have a good potential market for new, uh, basically new consumers that would never, ever be able to regularly purchase the game if it was released just for PC or for Mac. Yeah, I think uh, I think they do have something here. We just have to see how it catches on. Uh, let's move on, though. Oh, actually, Rob, I totally forgot about you. So you missed one podcast, and... I know, you're, I'm, you're just, no I'm just here. lost, forgotten, putting baby <laughs> in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, uh, what do you got? Uh, well, just, I mean, like, I didn't actually get a chance to play with Gaikai, but I definitely read up on it, and it's, I mean, it's definitely interesting technology. Um, I mean, it's basically just streaming games, but that in of itself is a pretty mean feat when you consider the intensity of graphics of games now, especially on computer, and to be able to stream something that looks good and runs in, you know, at a steady frame rate and is actually playable, um, and more than playable, is actually pretty decent, that's that's a, that's good. I mean, that's that's really good. It's interesting that Gaikai is actually supposed to be game advertising, more so than like an actual platform to play games, um, because that's not their, their focus. It really is just to be able to put like, here's an ad for Mass Effect 3, or Mass Effect 2, or Dead Space 2, or I guess even eventually Mass Effect 3. Um, and instead of you getting, you know, some drop-down box that shows you a trailer, instead you get a drop-down box that you can play the demo for. And then, I mean, like, why is the, how could that not be good? Uh, you know, especially for game developers in the industry in general. Um, and especially since, you know, even though PC's not a dead market, you know, even though the, the it always goes around the campfire that, you know, PC's kind of dead, maybe it's not really worth it, that it's something that could definitely kick some life into it. I mean, it, it's really awesome, actually, too, that they're, you know, working, they're working around ways of, you know, preventing latency, which is their biggest issue as far as being able to stream games, and they're actually working on getting hubs, you know, set up in every major city so that, you know, even if you're, you know, if you're trying to stream a game from, you know, from your house, that, you know, the hub that's actually streaming it to you is actually not that far away, which prevent, you know, which kicks in a lot of the, you know, the latency and the issues that they have as far as, you know, streaming being a big issue with something like that, um, which is really cool, uh, especially if it, you know, does take off. I know the EA is definitely signed on in, like, pretty big fashion with it, um, and actually there's probably a pretty good reason for that, which we'll talk about later. But uh, it's it's nice to see it getting some support, and I think that it'll work out pretty well in the long run. Yeah, I think there's something here. We just have to keep an our, our eye on it, which we definitely will. Uh, but moving on, let's talk about Steam Big Picture, where basically it's a feature of Steam that will it's it's more focused toward putting Steam onto a television. Uh, I guess it's more of an interface deal, makes it easier to move around Steam with a controller or a gamepad as opposed to a mouse and keyboard. Uh, what do you guys feel about that? Uh, I guess I could really only say that 
I mean, as it seems right now, it seems like that's just basically an idea that, you know, for people who have, you know, big screen TVs and they have, you know, computers that they could, you know, certainly hook up to them. A lot of, you know, computers, TVs, HDMI ports uh, now so that you can stream, you know, those gorgeous looking PC graphics to your big screen TV and actually have a reason to have it hooked up to it. Um, more so than that, though, I really just see it as a stepping stone into like Steam actually moving into the console market, um, trying to you know get a chunk of that somehow. I mean, you have Portal Two coming out soon that's going to have an actual you know key for Steam for PS3, and you know who knows how extensive it'll be when it starts, but it is the start, and the big picture just seems to be another you know another step into that as well. Um, as far as my feelings on big picture, um, it's really most of what Rob said, you know, just it's more for people who have the nice 52-inch backlit LCDs or whatever. You know, just people who have just nice hardware for their home theater and have a killer PC hooked up to it and, you know, just really want to take good advantage of the bigger real estate. But also, kind of like what Jared had made mention uh, some of the home theater PC folks, you know, they really don't like being confined to to like a eight foot wire, uh, and especially for something like a computer game, they're not really going to want to be hooked up to an eight foot wire from their fifty two inch TV. They're going to want to be on a wireless controller, sitting in their couch, and you know, leisurely enjoying their games. And I guess you can say to kind of tie things in with big picture is um, how Valve is going to eventually release Steam for PS3. And with that, you have Portal 2, which does have the PC key in the PS3 copy. And because of the cross-release of the Steam platform to PS3, you'll have users being able to play both the game on PS3, stop, resume it on their PC. And with Big Picture, I could easily see something like, you know, if they're feeling lazy and and the player just wants to kind of just play through on the PS3 for a little bit and then, you know, just find a stopping point. And then later in the night or something, they have some friends come over who've never seen Portal 2. They could load up their PC, crank the graphics on high, and then go, yeah, check this out. And that is really, I think, the stepping stone for Steam Big Picture, though. Yeah, I think one thing that I'm going to do as well is get more games that have gamepad compatibility. Um, I understand that, yes, people, so there are a good amount of people who do have their PCs hooked up to their televisions. Even Frank, um, one of the writers for the site, he has his PC hooked up to his TV as well. However, for the type of games that you play on Steam, I, we, I can't see preferring a controller over a mouse and keyboard, with the exception of some games. But most games, especially Valve games, Mouse and keyboard are much better controllers than exactly. a gamepad would be. So I really don't. I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to push into that market. They're trying to get onto the to the home consoles. I, I can totally I understand that, but I really don't think that a gamepad is going to work with a Half Life Two, a Portal, a uh, you know Left for Dead, you know something more recent. So I will just have to see how that works out. Uh, yeah, it's a stepping stone. I mean, it. I don't think it's meant to be a permanent, you know, extra solution to PC. PC has Steam. You know, Mac has Steam. It doesn't need the big picture. I think that that's just a way of saying, like, hey, we can get on the console. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I really think that's all it is. Just yeah. another way of knocking on the door. 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll, I guess we'll have to see how well the console vendors, you know, Microsoft and Sony, and even Nintendo, play ball. Uh, so, we'll see how that goes. But uh, next on the list is Ravio or Rovio um, at GDC. Couple things happened. <laughs> Couple things happened with them at GDC. Uh, first, let's start with why Angry Birds is not on Xbox Live. Uh, to make a long story short, he said that X, you know, the that Angry Birds is not on Xbox Live or PSN is because they can't keep up with the update schedules. He updates every couple weeks. Well, I shouldn't say every couple weeks, but he updates every season. He says, and uh, Microsoft and Sony can't keep up with that update schedule. I really don't. I don't. I don't. I don't understand how they're not able to keep up with the update schedule. Like, is he trying to push this stuff as DLC, or is he just trying to update his title? You know, because if he's just try, if he's trying to push this DLC, I know that there are, especially with Microsoft. Like, you're not. I mean, you could. I guess you can push free DLC, but it's more of a hassle with with Microsoft. I've heard that from more than one person. However, if you're just trying to update the title to have this extra stuff, maybe, uh, I don't see why that would cause an issue. Once again, you know, I'm not a developer. So, <laughs> there's probably stuff that I don't know about, but I don't really see what the pro- what the problem is. I, I can't really see that either. I mean, I, I've definitely heard the same thing that, like, especially Microsoft, they, I guess, have, like, kind of a kind of a hefty list of things you have to go through in order to be able to push an update through and if he's just not willing to put in the work or if it's like a small crew that's doing it i could certainly see why that would be an issue you know you don't want to you know if he's doing an update every other you know every week or something and if they have like a you know a crazy schedule for like all the things you have to put through to them in order to be able to put up that update yeah, I could see how that would be an issue. I haven't really heard the same thing with, P- with PSN, though, and Angry Birds is on PSN, so I kind of don't understand that either. I've never heard that like they're very hard to you know set up an update for or put an update through for. They don't have like a really stringent policy or anything that you have to deal with in order to put up an update for them. Um, I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that, I mean, he does tend to put out an update for, you know, like Angry Birds Christmas, Angry Birds, you know, Halloween. Um, and if that's the sort of thing he's talking about, I, I guess I could see how that might be an issue because they might want to be like, okay, that's another that's another game download, not you know just an add-on to Angry Birds. But I, that's really the only thing I could see that he might be possibly be talking about. As yeah, so you're, you're right, I forgot about the Christmas, Halloween, also the uh, you probably have Angry Birds Easter and all that stuff. Yeah, I I think personally, just he's just kind of just making a bit of a scene kind of striking out against a Microsoft or whatever just because the requirements for the updates aren't, uh, I guess you can say, as lax as, say, the Android App Store or the the iOS App Store where basically, you know, just you have a short approval time versus... Because I know Zona Games was talking about how the update approval process is and I know for Xbox Live it's pretty lengthy. So guess that's my assumption on why he's lashing out at Xbox Live, but who knows? I mean, kind of like uh, what you had said, Jared, you know, we're just we're just journalists. We don't know the exact mechanisms of the development cycle because we're not developers. Yeah, actually, well, with Zona Games, it was a bit different because he released in the indie channel. And to my knowledge, it is different in the indie channel than it would be if it was just an arcade title. Um, 
and anybody can correct me if I'm wrong, but to my knowledge, indie indie games, they have to get peer approval for their updates before they go out. They don't necessarily need to be approved by Microsoft, so they need to get people to do the peer approvals, and once they're approved, then they they'll, they'll go up within a certain amount of time, like between 24 to 72 hours, something like that. Yeah. Um, because I do remember the process for arcade approvals versus the indie games approval totally different, but I would assume that they probably have some sort of like similar mechanisms, and I assume that's why um, they're lashing out about not being on Xbox Live or whatever. Well, they also might have a different method, or a different uh, not method, but a reason too, and now I'll just roll right into our next portion with them saying, well, him, I should say, saying that console consoles are dying which is preposterous like that is absolutely it is absolutely preposterous i don't has he ever heard of call of duty halo you know pretty much any game even bad console games even games that aren't really good at all do better than a lot of you know games that are put out on mobile yeah, you're talking about Angry Birds. Angry Birds did, does extremely well, still does extremely well, but that's one game on mobile. You know, I mean, aside from like the Infinity Blades and, you know, a couple other titles here and there, there's not games that do that kind of business on, on you know, on mobile platforms. Yeah, it's cheaper to develop for, you know, once you pretty much have the game together and you can just throw out the updates, then, you know, easy money, especially when you're not charging much for it or, or you know, you're just working off advertising, but... It's not something that's going to work for everything, and it doesn't work for everything. Not not every game pulls that off. I mean, yeah, console games, there's a lot more overhead, but there's a lot more money involved, too, and it's not dying. It's it's nowhere near dying, you know. But, hey, yeah, I, was... I guess you get delusional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that we were talking about this kind of before the podcast, and, you know, um, the real big reason why some folks feel that consoles are not dying is you know, TV, you have a bigger piece of real estate to present a game versus a three or four inch uh, touchscreen on your phone. And at the same time with the bigger real estate, you know, you really want a game that has more substance to be playing on that nice TV that you have, you know. And that's where games like Call of Duty, uh, Medal of Honor, and, you know, the list goes on. And that's really why, you know, just the bigger real estate is much nicer for those things because you can really show them off. And to be playing something like Angry Birds all the time on a foreign screen, yeah, that's not fun for your eyes because I'll admit I play Angry Birds every now and then just to kind of kill time. But, you know, I don't play more than maybe 10, 15 minutes and then my eyes start hurting. And at that point, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I can't do this. I got to take a break. So, yeah, his little claim that consoles are a dying market because of the high development overhead and the and his little rationale of who the hell wants to pay 60 bucks for a game when the profits are so 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 bad of a gamble that you have to make a triple a title before you can really you know just make and turn a giant profit and they're they're the uh, franchises that are a success and then they're the franchises that are not and you know that's really how it's going to be but anyhow, just consoles dying, yeah, that's a big fallacy. 
Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can really say, too, in, in regards to that as well, you brought up a good point. Like, he has kind of a point, you know. I mean, we've seen it recently with, like, Bizarre closing and then a couple other studios kind of suffering because of, you know, not you know not hitting six or seven million you know games getting sold kind of you know hurts your chances especially if it happens on a regular basis with your studio but there are still studios that do well so you know doing mid-range indie titles things of that nature the biggest thing is like there's a counterpoint you know on mobile your one game has to stand out amongst the million of other games and as soon as you put that game out there will be a copycat and even Angry Birds has its copycats. You know, uh, Words with Friends that just came out from Zynga Games already has copycats for it. You know, it, it's it's going to happen. And people don't know the difference all that much, you know, until, until it becomes a phenomenon like Angry Birds. People just see a game and they're like, oh, okay, that's a cool way to waste five minutes, especially if it's free. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he, I understand that he did make a great deal of money with this game, but... I only play mobile games when I'm like out, you know, I'm out and about, uh, in the bathroom, you know, that's it. And that's, that, that, that's my entire mobile gaming experience. Other than that, if I want to play a game, it's going to be on the console, it's going to be on the PC. So I don't even know what possessed him to really say, you know, oh, consoles are dying. No. Um, last time I checked, they were doing very well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he, he seems to have a lot of moments like that. I guess he's a pretty engaging guy, but he has moments where he kind of goes a little bit off the rocker. And uh, I guess that kind of happened in GDC as well when uh, I guess our next point came up when he was uh, having a little Q&A session, which, you know, went pretty well. And then someone stood up and asked a question about the engine for Angry Birds. If you want to go from there. <laughs> well, you might as well. You should have just went, but oh, I, okay. I, oh, it's okay. No, I'll drive. I'll drive. It's okay. Okay, that's fine. Well, you're the driver. You yeah. know, I'm not. I'm not trying to take your spotlight. You gotta, you're the one who's leading us. Yeah, I'll drive. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, basically, what Rob was talking about is uh, the developer, the creator of Box 2D, which is the physics engine for Angry Birds. Um, he stood up at the you know the Angry Birds or the you know, Rovio. Q and A, and he asked him, "Who's who?" Uh, he said, "Did you use Box Two D?" No, he said he asked him, "What physics engine did you use uh, for Angry Birds?" And he replies, "Box Two D." And then he says, "Can you credit that?" And he says, "Sure." And he says, "Good," because I'm the creator. So basically, he uh, he called him out for not crediting his work properly, which is a big no-no. You know. Yeah, that's it's pretty bad. I mean, that's something that like, given the situation, like he handled it pretty classily, and the crowd like lost its mind when he, you know, when he said, "I'm the creator." Uh, but I mean, that's some that's something that like any other time, and I guess that maybe it shows something about the game design, you know, the game industry. Yay, kudos! That any other time, somebody would have just taken him to court over that. They see how much money he's making, and they're not even crediting the engine that the game's built off of, like the physics engine, which is a huge part of the game. Somebody would have taken him to court. It was actually pretty classy the way the guy handled it. Um, Eric Cato, uh, uh, Aaron Cato was his name, actually, uh, the, the creator of it. Yes, kudos to you, sir. Yeah, um, and kind of like what Rob was saying, you know, that's almost in line with like plagiarism right there, you know, because. Um, Things like that, yeah, easy, easy court suit would just brew over that 
But then again, I mean, Box 2D uses a GPL license, so unless there was a stipulation in there for profits to be attributed to him, then yeah, just that would have been a major court issue. But, you know, uh, the guys over at Rovio used the Box 2, uh, 2D engine that's powered by the GPL license. And um, me personally, I would like to see Rovio throw some cash as a donation to Box 2D. And as a sign of respect, but, you know, who knows? They they may do it, they may not. And all we can do is just hold our breath and see. Probably not. I wouldn't expect the guy who thinks consoles are dying to give anybody any extra money. Yeah, true. Yeah. So, but it was still a cool story, though. Like, I mean, and nobody knew who the guy was when he stood up and, you know, went to the mic and asked the question. Because apparently it was pretty awkward when he did ask the question because he got, like, a snappy reply from the guy um in regards to you know what engine it uses and then when he asked if they could credit it it was just awkward silence <laughs> for like a minute <laughs> until he said okay and then he said i'm the creator and everybody lost their mind so cool moment you know but uh angry birds again kind of doing wacky things oh uh, yeah well, we're gonna move on though um the last thing we we're really gonna cover from gdc even though gdc had a ton of ton of stuff but this is the stuff that we thought was really interesting uh, by now, if you are a gamer at all, you have had to see the Battlefield 3 trailer. Well, not trailer, but the live-action demo that they showed. Everybody should have seen this by now. Well, so, it looks live-action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It is not real live-action, but the, um, the live gameplay. Sorry, the actual gameplay demo. Um, I'm not even going to give it an intro. Just tell me what you guys think about it. Rob, you want to... It was amazing. I mean, what do you? What else do you want me to say about it? I mean, like it, it looked freaking great. The only real thing is like, sorry guys, also sorry me because I'm a console gamer. Is that it's really not going to look that good on console. Um, that's that's definitely PC. You know, cranked up. That's how that game is going to look. If you got, you know, if you got them, smoke them. If you got a PC that'll play it, get it ready. But console. It'll still be a good game, I'm sure, but it's, we're not going to get that, and it kind of makes me a little bit sad. But the game, the the footage was amazing. The video was amazing of the gameplay, and it was gameplay footage too. It wasn't just a trailer for the game, which made it even better. I mean, even little stuff, like even little things that they did in the in the course of it, like you know, most military shooters that you see nowadays. Uh, one thing I noticed was you know, somebody gets gunned down, like that's pretty much it. They just leave them there and they just you know go about their business. But I mean considering like the you know kind of the respect that they have for like military and how things actually work um one of the guys gets shot by a sniper and your character doesn't just go start shooting people he he actually doesn't even get into the firefight he drags the guy out of the firefight that got shot you know as like a, a way to protect him but i mean graphically though the video was ridiculous ludicrous i i don't even have enough adjectives for it <laughs> Rob i think it's time it. for you to get a pc man yeah i know well hey actually i'm getting one a one one at uh packs but uh that's you know a story for another time well um as far as battlefield 3 when the first uh part of the episode came out you know i was blown away because uh, I'd read things about the Frostbite 2 engine and, and how Bad Company 2 was, I guess you can say, a primer in how to play around with the Frostbite 2 engine and apparently how uh, the amount of graphical data 
that's in uh, Battlefield 3 is equivalent to one entire map in Bad Company 2, I was shocked. And, I mean, you can definitely see it, especially when you see them running down the hallway with the uh, lights in the alley just from the sunlight, casting different sorts of shadows all over the place. That was really cool. And then the firefight and everything, how they took real good detail to how the guns look, how they sound, uh, how the scopes um, are metered and everything. The amount of detail was staggering, and that was cool. And then earlier this week, around the, I want to say 16th or 17th of this week, um, EA had put out episode two, where basically they try to take out the sniper that um, Rob had mentioned had uh, shot down one of your buddies and everything. And it's cool because um, all your guys, you know, they're just crouched down and trying to just hide behind building cover and try to, I guess you can say, smoke out the sniper and everything. And you notice that when they run and slide to cover, it looks it looks realistic. It looks like something straight out of a movie. You don't see them just duck down and then you see an animation of them just kind of running or sliding while in a crouched position to cover, you actually just see them run, slide, hide behind cover. And as always, just if you aren't aware of how phenomenal the Frostbite 2 engine is, you see the ending of this uh, second episode where uh, your character's given a rocket launcher and your buddy goes, okay, on three, I'm going to smoke him out. You need to put a rocket right where he pops out. And then you see your buddy pops up on three, starts firing his um, his... M16, or excuse me, M4A1, into the building to lure the guy out. Guy pops out, you pop out the rocket launcher, you shoot a rocket, boom! You just see the glass on the building ripple out, and then the signage of the hotel falling off, and you see the hotel collapsing. It's just like, yeah, that sniper can't have survived a building collapsing on him. He's down. And yeah, just phenomenal, and apparently there's another episode coming out, and I'm definitely looking forward to that yeah i was less concerned about the sniper dying and more about the oh that looks so nice like, <laughs> it, it just it looked like the, the everything looks really good i mean it doesn't look 100 percent real but man it looked close to it and you know the what you're talking about with the sliding and moving into cover uh the movement that goes along with that is what makes that look so realistic so that means there's a lot of frames going into that animation. Uh, it's I I really don't have enough good things to say about the Frostbite engine and Rob well Frostbite two engine sorry and Rob is absolutely correct in saying that consoles are not going to look like that. Yeah. sorry guys. <laughs> you I'm know? sorry. I'm sorry too. <laughs> <laughs> makes but me a little sad face. To, I was yeah. going to add one more point. I know that EA had made uh, a press release point about this, but apparently uh, for PC only, as far as multiplayer fights go, um, you can play up to 64 player matches, and unfortunately on the console side, you will be limited to 32 player matches. So, if you console guys want a reason to try to jump on the PC scene, yeah, that's going to be your reason right there. Battlefield 3, 64 people in a match. 32 on 32, guys. Get in on this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's being optimized for PC. I mean, they've, they've already come out and said that up front, so no real huge surprises, but it's just sad. <laughs> just, uh, 
I would say get used to that. We're going to get into it a little later, but I'll get used to that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, but I'm not, I guess I'm not going to uh, uh, delve too deep in that right now. But uh, that, what we just talked about pretty much is only the piece of the single play that we've seen. Besides that, there's still the traditional Battlefield multiplayer. Which I'm not talking about Battlefield Bad Company. I'm talking about more of Battlefield 2. So you have helicopters, planes, very large maps. They're bringing back prone there. It's it's basically uh, it's basically gonna be what battle the the next rendition of a of a real Battlefield game. Cause even um well no I liked uh 2142. I did like Battlefield 2142. But it just it did feel like it was missing some parts, so they're really trying to get back to the core of Battlefield with this game. So, you know, we're going to keep an eye on that. I actually have my new PC parts in the other room, so I think I'll be ready for this. Um, Rob Hill, however, will not be. So, <laughs> No, I, told, I, I said, man, and that's that's the story, though. Um, well, I guess I might as well just tell it real quick. Uh, Beyonce at PAX uh, actually put into, you know, pretty much like all the drawings that they had going on because some, everybody was giving away something, uh, whether it was T-shirts or, you know, bigger things, um, and actually got a notification today that she won uh, a computer from maingear.com. Uh, that they were there at the PAX, they had a, a booth going, and she actually won a PC from them. Then it's pretty decent. <laughs> so actually, uh, probably gonna be spending some time with the PC gaming pretty soon. So we get the computer in a couple weeks, so it's gonna be a good time. Well, okay, he he might be ready. We'll see. <laughs> Cause it's more about just the graphics, you know. Rob, it's a lot of skill involved. Oh, I know. I've played. Just not a lot recently, because you know consoles just so easy. <laughs> just to play. <laughs> I don't gotta worry about putting stuff together on a computer anymore. Nah. Easy. But anyhow. Okay, yeah. Let's uh, let's get a move on. Let's talk about Prey Two. <laughs> let's talk about it. Um... <laughs> you sound so sad about it when you start talking about it. You sounded sadder when we were talking about it before the podcast, but like, really, you're not sad. So go ahead. Talk, okay, well, we're a little bit sad about it, but yeah. Here's the deal with Prey Two. Um, I enjoyed the original Prey. Uh, a lot of people who I talked to who said Prey sucked didn't really play the game. I played the I... game. <laughs> <laughs> I played Prey, and I enjoyed the game. It was actually a good game. Um, now, Prey 2... Now, I'll just give you a rundown of Prey, okay? For those who didn't play it, which it's going to be a lot of you. But basically, what Prey is, you know, you're, uh, you're a Native American, and everybody starts getting abducted by aliens, okay? Um, your main objective is pretty much to find your girlfriend. That's what you want to do. You want to find your girlfriend who's been abducted. Uh, but as you're, of course, you know, you're going through the ship and stuff like that, you find out that the, re- you know, the re- reason the g- game is called Prey is because these aliens, like, they planted human life on Earth specifically to come back and eat you later. So they planted, you, they planted humanity as a crop, and they let it develop and mature, and now they're just coming back to harvest their food. So that's basically uh, the way Prey worked. Of course, you know, you don't get turned into food because, you know, you're awesome. So Prey 2, so far what we've learned about it 
is that you are a bounty hunter on another planet. Like, you get picked up. Like if, it, if you've seen the, the live-action trailer, um, it's of a plane that gets pulled or gets abducted by the aliens during the, in, I shouldn't say the invasion, but the mass abduction. Also, that same plane in Prey 1 crashes inside of the ship. But, um, basically, for whatever reason, they take you and they take you to a different planet and then you become this bounty hunter, which totally defeats, I shouldn't say defeats, but, like, totally goes against what the main game was about. Like, these aliens just regarded you as food. You know what I'm saying? You don't see us taking, like, cows or chickens that we produce for food and turning them into bounty hunters or lawyers or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Except food. for the bionic chickens. Except Those for the bionic chickens, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's still food. So why would this race of aliens who are apparently have, have superiorly, you know, superior technology to you, why would they take their food and take it to another planet where it becomes a bounty hunter? I don't understand. Maybe the game will make you understand, because I, I didn't, like, like I said, I was one of those people who played the first level of the game and was like, this is garbage, and never didn't look back. But apparently it was pretty good, but hopefully the game gives a good reason for it. I don't know, it's kind of like, why would a predator take a human back to their planet to be an honorary predator? Hope maybe it'll be like that. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as the trailer, just especially with knowing how the story in Prey works, they've effectively retconned like part of the story. It's just like, so you just completely rewrote the story in the first game of how this one this one event happened, and now you're turning what was your food into a bounty hunter? Yeah, that makes a whole crap ton of sense, guys. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. <clears throat> yeah, so... You know, maybe maybe they're gonna explain it when, when it hits retail. Who knows? But at this point, I'm just effectively confused. I'm just like, you know, you just retconned part of the story, and now you're trying to rewrite what was already established in the first game. What are you guys doing? This makes absolutely no lick of sense. Yeah, and one thing that I'm pretty sure you can't do uh, that you could do in the first game was this thing called spirit walking, where you can leave your body, and it was part of the puzzle solving of the game like you can leave your body and your spirit can go to different places that your body is not um this guy is not native american so i don't think he can spirit walk (laughs) so yeah hopefully it's not going like so far in that the generic first person shooter like yeah he's a guy with big guns and technology and it's gonna be awesome you know (laughs) hopefully it's not gonna be too much like that but i don't see how really at this point it's gonna be anything else but but, you know, I guess yeah, give it a chance <laughs> or yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but let's move on because I'm getting a little depressed. So let's talk about um, Michael Patcher. Or, is that how you say his name? Is it Packer or Patcher? Sure. Let's go with that. It, yeah. It's <laughs> Packer or Patcher. So, I mean, sorry. We messed your name up. But let's talk about the real point of it. Nintendo is doomed, apparently. Uh, okay. So I guess I'll take this one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, basically, the guy uh, said that he said Nintendo's doomed long term. Um, they're under full frontal assault by Apple, which actually sounds kind of dirty. But anyway, um, uh, 
Satoru Iwata, um, he delivered a keynote at GDC, um, and he basically said that he feels like social and mobile gaming is actually going to hurt, um, you know, the game industry overall um, in the long run. That the focus is going to fall away from making quality, you know, quality games, full quality products, and go to- more towards the model of I can develop this on dirt cheap. And I don't really care what the quality is like as long as people play it and give me some money. Zynga Games. Um, I, I don't see how you say Nintendo is doomed from that. Uh, I mean, you, Jared, you made a good point in the beginning before the podcast that Nintendo just came off of selling like the most consoles ever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, a, that's in history, folks. In history. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean... <sighs> Like I, I, I totally see what Awada is saying, and I can't really see how Nintendo's doomed. I mean, like Nintendo's always been a little bit rigid in how they think about things. Nintendo didn't want to have on, you know, online gaming at all. They didn't think anybody wanted it. They didn't think anybody cared. Which, you know, history has shown like they were wrong. I mean, people do want it. People still want their single player experiences. They still want their Mario Galaxies, Mario Galaxy Twos, Zeldas, things of that nature. But people do want online gaming. I mean, you can't extricate social, you know, the social part of gaming now from it. It's become part of the the culture. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's like a little bit of middle ground, but I don't think that that means Nintendo is doomed. Nintendo changes just enough to keep up with the times, and they do innovate in other ways. So, you, you can't really say Nintendo's doomed. It, it just it just seems like a lot of well doomsaying. Um, you know, it, it's just a kind of sensationalist thing to say, basically. Yeah, he was. I think he was just trying to trying to uh, kick some tires. You know, he, just to stir something up. A lot of developers didn't like what he had said. Um, didn't like what he what what uh, Ottawa had said uh, regarding mobile and social games. And he even mentioned that a lot of you are here because you make mobile and social games. So that probably um, struck a bad chord. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I, not wrong. I mean, the model for, and I mean, and it's it's one thing when you're talking about, I guess, social and mobile gaming, you know, to a certain extent. Well, mobile gaming actually really does fall into that category, but social gaming, it, it really depends on what you mean. I mean, like, pretty much every, you know, game, even like major games, have like a social you know, portion or a social, like, you know, underlie in in the games because it is a big part, like I said, of the culture now. Um, You know, there's the online gaming, you know, multiplayer, all those type of things. Even, you know, split-screen co-op when it's, you know, applicable is still out there. Um, If you're talking about social gaming in that respect, no, that doesn't really hurt the industry. But I think he means more like Facebook games, you know, like I said, Zynga, uh, you know, developers like that, Angry Birds, I guess, although that's not really so much a social game, you know, dirt cheap, let's just, you know, rape you for money type of thing. That's just more of a, it's just a mobile game, but, you know, it's still, you know, still there. The, the shoe fits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think uh, Mr. Packer's really, I guess you can say, talking about Nintendo's short-term plans instead of, I guess you can say, uh, keep building on their good long-term franchises like Mario, Zelda, um, Metroid, etc., etc. That by concentrating on all the social uh, social gaming that has l- very little quality but quick returns is a bad financial idea. And if Nintendo is thinking that, oh yeah, this is the future, just produce crap games that just get all your friends to play and just 
daisy chain as many friends as you can that they're all onto our social model and bam, just profits like crazy. That the concept of that is a bad thing long term. And, you know, just don't forget the big, big franchises that made Nintendo. I think that's his main point. But, you know, um, as Rob said, I think Nintendo's keen enough to keep up with the times just barely. And then there's also the fact that Jared had made, you know, Nintendo sold the most consoles ever with the Wii. And look at the Wii's library. It's um, got a few good big franchise games by Nintendo. And then there's just lots of, I guess you can call it shovelware, you know. And if Nintendo can still be uh, floating with that in mind, you know, I think they have a decent idea of what they're doing to keep themselves afloat. Actually, I do need to make a correction uh, before we get flooded in the forums, well, I say through, uh, into the comments, which we actually appreciate, but <laughs> we get flooded with comments about how I was wrong. Um, Nintendo, I, I made a mistake, Nintendo did not sell the most consoles ever. What I should have said is that they sold the most consoles in the shortest amount of time. Um, Sony PlayStation 2 actually has sold the most consoles ever with a hun- over 150 million. So, yeah. But still, it's still impressive. Like, over 86 It million. still did really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It did well when nobody expected it to on top of that. I mean, everybody, you know, you know, you knew PS3 was coming. You knew that, you know, 360 was coming. And then... It, the little engine that could, the revolution turned the Wii, which was no end of jokes about that, turned into the biggest thing ever. You know, I mean, and it, it was, I mean, say what you will about the Wii, but I mean, it, it sold really well and it brought a new aspect to games. So, yeah. yeah. So, I guess the correct phrase were what we had meant was it is the quickest to install themselves to households as far as things go. So, I mean, if people are quick enough to adopt the Wii and even if the library is less than great then yeah I think Nintendo has a good idea of what they're doing for business yeah uh, I mean they sold 80, 84 million consoles in 4 years uh, PS3 has been out since what 2000 or was it 2001 it was 2000 2000. Let's go 2000. Yeah, because I think it was 10 years last year. I don't know. Yeah, for the PS2. Yeah. Yeah, and they've sold 150 million consoles by as of January 31st of this year. So yeah, Nintendo, they're doing very well. <laughs> so they kind of know what they're doing. Um, I really don't see how they are doomed. Like in the future, I mean, if they ever do get in trouble, all they gotta do is come out with a Mario game. Zelda game, Metroid game, and then they're doing okay. But just because they don't want to go into social or the the small dollar dealing games does not mean that they're in trouble because I don't think that's the future either. I mean, it's don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's it's a bad idea because it's obviously not a bad idea. Look at Angry Birds. Look at uh, all these other Flash games that are, or all these other apps that say they're selling for a dollar. Like, yeah. It's a good business model, and it works, but it is not necessarily the future. Like, everybody's going to be doing this, you know. But uh, who knows? We may all be wrong, and Mr. Patrick may be right. Maybe. I mean, nobody thought Sega could go, and then they went. (laughs) So... (laughs) I mean, you know, to, you know, it's not promised, no, but I mean, I don't necessarily see that 
they're they're in a terrible position or anything. They're they're just not. It's you know the kind of the same thing as mobile is or you know games dying, console games dying. They're not. If they die eventually, I mean, yeah, sure. You know, anybody can you know get hurt by something that they didn't expect or you know something crazy comes along and sweeps the rug out from under Nintendo, but. They're in a good position right now. I mean, like, not even to mention the fact that, you know, as much as it's kind of funny, actually, that, you know, he mentioned mobile gaming is that, well, and I guess he means mobile gaming as far as Apple and whatnot, but I mean, Nintendo still has the DS and they got the 3DS coming out. I, the DS is a monster, too, as far as mobile gaming is concerned. I mean, it's. It's more of a standard video game industry mobile gaming as opposed to mobile gaming on a on a cell phone or you know or on a tablet, but they still have that. I mean, they're they're not lacking for options and and making money. <laughs> Nintendo prints money, so <laughs> yeah, they have Mario's face on it. I've seen it. Seriously, <laughs> really, and, it, and it's good. You can take it into a store and use it like regular money too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, now we're done with that one. Let's talk about Microsoft hiring next-gen console engineers, which means they're probably just starting to get ready <laughs> to start working on their next console. So it looks like uh, the console, you console players, really won't have Battlefield 3 graphics on the console f- for a little bit now because um, if they're just now getting ready, like, you know, just now hiring people for that, which I'm pretty sure the actual hiring process is very rigorous. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little bit. I am going to say the first announcements we're going to hear about it is going to be 2014. I don't know if I'd go that far. Probably two years. But I mean, it's still, it's a ways out before you hear anything, you know, anything concrete or solid or any sort of real news on it. I mean, don't expect something at E3 this year. It's not going to happen. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to be more in support of Jared's idea of maybe 2014 or later because um, I thought it was really funny just when this post came up. Oh, yeah, Microsoft's looking for next gen console engineers that. Apparently, the internet blew up and imploded on itself, going, OMGs, I'm comfortable with my Xbox 360. Why now, OMG 111? I'm, and I'm just looking at that going, It's not now. It is in the future. But yeah, just about every single major news site that had posted about the next gen jobs at Microsoft opening up, yeah, just every single news post were flooded in the same generic comments of OMGs, I love my 360. I cannot give it up. Why? And I'm just looking at this going, do you kids not understand a console development cycle? Look how long it took to like make the 360 a actual product and the PS3 an actual product. Come on. Yeah, I mean, seriously. it's We're not close. I mean, unless, you know, one of the other big three is working on something. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm sure everybody's always working on their next thing. But as far as being, you know, really having a, a set design, you know, innards, anything that's going to actually be in it, I don't think anybody's really there yet because they're not worried about it yet. You know, they're everybody's gone to, you know, Sony's 10-year life cycle that, you know, works so well for the PlayStation 2 because... If if a new console dropped tomorrow, nobody would buy it. it you know, I mean, well, there, there's always somebody that will buy it. I'm sorry. Let me let me take that back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 
not it's not it wouldn't be a phenomenon it wouldn't be you know the next big thing you know i mean retailers would push it yeah because it would be the next big thing but it's not anything that's going to you can't that you can't justify it i couldn't justify buying a new console right now i mean if there was a fourth console or a new next gen console that was out for five or six hundred dollars or probably more you know when the next gen finally hits i couldn't justify that at all what what could you really be giving me in a new console right now that I would need to buy it? If anything that you could be giving me, I could just buy a PC and build it for cheaper, and and use it longer. So I I, I don't see it. You're not anywhere close to it. You know, stop worrying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, right now, if they did, if they took the current PC technology and put it into a console, it would make a big difference. However, the price would be ridiculous. Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what you said. So you might as well buy a PC. Join us. Even though... <laughs> what, but, Jared. Uh, even though I do think, which is like, so we're still going to get into it later, but um, with the growing number of developers who are going to be developing for PC... Or I shouldn't even say developing for PC, but oh, so let's look. At, let's talk about Crisis Two for a second. Crisis Two on PC definitely looks better than the console version. Battlefield Three on PC will definitely look better than the console version, and uh, probably play smoother. You're gonna have more developers that are optimizing for PC as as opposed to console, uh, so that they can use the power. And as that happens, I think it's going to put more pressure on the uh, on the console vendors, you know, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, to push out consoles that have better graphics. And if you throw Gaikai in the mix, that might be that might be the the final blow if they actually uh, were able to set something up that allowed you to stream your games to like you know crappy PCs because then you wouldn't even have to spend all that money. Yep, that's could be the tipping point, but you know. So well, I, I think uh, you know, right now, I don't, I won't, I won't expect news until like 2014, like I said earlier. But that could change once you know, if I, and once again, I, I, I'm not gonna say when, but if they start to feel pressure from the you know the the development community or from the fact that. Uh, more developers are going to be optimizing for PC, which that will happen. I I will say that, and you can say, "Oh, Jared, you're crazy, man." Nah, it happened. I'm pretty sure that's that's what's going to happen here. So, but uh, you know, let's let's move on to the next thing. Let's talk a little bit about GTA Five, or code name Rush. Uh, set in LA, we we found. Well, I shouldn't say we found because this is still speculation because. It's still, it's still, uh, you know, rumors, you know, but basically, uh, a couple of resumes were found online. Um, one specifically said that one specifically referenced motion capture on Grand Theft Auto Five. Um, another one referenced actually no, this wasn't a resume. This was a tweet from a celebrity saying, "Hey, I just got my body scanned uh, for a game code name Rush." from Rockstar. Um, yeah, I mean, that's cool. I mean, everybody knows GTA, GTA 5 is coming out. 
you know. Right, it's going to happen. It's it's something that is you know like the writing in the stars, the sun the sun setting and coming up in the morning. It's they're going to come out with one eventually. They they have to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and we already talked about it last time that they've already started you know, you know, taking out uh trademarks and stuff on on those kind of wacky site names and whatnot. So it, it's coming, and, and this is just new supporting it basically, really. Yeah, basically there was a ca- a, uh, a casting call for Rockstar, and the description was for an interactive project called Rush. Uh, another thing that points to this being GTA Five was that uh, because of the type of characters that they were calling for, uh, outlandish characters, we uh, that dealt with like you know, you know when, I shouldn't say people that deal with weed, but you know topics that deal with like weed and gangsters and like uh, funny celebrities, you know stuff like that. Um, you know, things I just point, I just scream GTA 5, and it's about that time anyway. I mean, like, when did GTA 4 come out in like 2008? Was GTA 4? Or was that 2009? You asked too many questions. No, I, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> because I want to say 2008, but I mean, I could be completely wrong on that. Before you guys blow up the, the website with comments about me being wrong on GTA uh, force release date. Do not, do not try to kill me because I swear I am so not sure on that. Well, my excuse is that I didn't like the game, so I just tried to forget about it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good reason, though. I mean, really, I mean, yeah. But either way, I mean, it's 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 about that time anyway. So, um, once again, Rockstar hasn't confirmed anything, but from the way it's looking, it looks like GTA Five is is on its way. Uh, but next we have Dance Hero from Activision. Once again, trying to get that foot in the door and grab some cash, then abandoning the you know abandoning the uh, the developer. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. I mean, yeah, what are they picking up Red Octane for that? No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's not really soon. funny, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be funny if we were talking about Bizarre, but for some reason it's funnier when we're talking about Guitar Hero. Yeah. Um, I mean, Dance Hero. You walk. Guitar Hero was successful because it came out first. Um, after Rock Band, I mean, Guitar Hero it was kind of like, oh, it's you're that old. Of- yeah, yeah, like you're, you're that old thing that we used yeah. to play. After you Guitar know. Hero 3, I, really, it wasn't a contest anymore. I mean, and Rock Band just got to three, and, and Guitar Hero was on their fifth game officially. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not counting all of the you know extra packs and all that kind of crap that they came out with in in the interim. Yeah, Eric yeah. Smith and Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, Activision just burned the living crap out of the franchise, and I mean, it's it's no surprise that you know Guitar Hero is officially dead because. People just got sick of it. They're just like, okay, what does Guitar Hero 5 do that Guitar Hero 3 didn't do? Is there any incentive for me to buy the game? And, you know, people just voted with their dollars and just said, screw this. I don't want any part of it. Yeah, Bobby Kotick was pretty much stood there and shrugged his shoulders and went, eh, I don't know, maybe they should buy it for some reason. <laughs> like, that's, that's not really working, man. It's like, oh, bad money. <laughs> <laughs> And that's exactly how that conversation went. Really? It was. <laughs> True story. Yeah, was I really 
I mean, you are you you already got Just Dance, which apparently did very well. I yeah, never it, really paid attention to it. It was Wii's, yeah, it was Wii's Dance Central. It, it yeah. did really well. They had Dance, they had a Just Dance Two. Dance Central's out on you know on Connect, and that's definitely been like it's you know actually one of the best games for Connect. Period. And it, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> who cares about Dance Hero? I'm sorry. Like unless you do something really different, like I don't see what else you're gonna do different. I mean Konami, who you know for years dominated with with Dance Dance Revolution, tried to bring out Dance Masters at the same time as Dance Central and got crushed. It it wasn't interesting anymore. It was you know it wasn't that good either. I don't see how Dance Hero, especially given Activision's track record with just you know burning things into the ground is really going to do anything better. I mean, it, it doesn't even really have a name backing it except, you know, the hero name. And if you're canceling Guitar Hero, who's going to care? Yeah. You know, and, and the same people that play Guitar Hero aren't going to be the same people playing Dance Hero, trust me. <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, oh, Dance Hero, that's gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, I can see how that's... I can totally see that happening. Yeah, we all know how it politically incorrect that is. Yes. <laughs> I could just totally say, oh, man, like playing a plastic guitar is any better. <laughs> but, <laughs> it is if you're playing rock, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> just saying. I'm <laughs> not saying, but I'm just saying. <laughs> um, might as well talk about Rocksmith now, too, while we're on the subject of... Uh, Plastic guitars. Uh, plastic guitars, yes. But Rocksmith from Ubisoft. Uh, long story short, it's a it's it's a it's a it's a music game with strings. Uh, it actually has uh, you know a, a, a guitar with strings. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Oh yeah, because um, something came out and failed miserably doing the same thing, and it wasn't Rock Band Three, which actually you can use a guitar with you know certain guitars, but. Power it's gig, called, yeah. Rise of the Six String, and I think their advertising campaign was they bought like I think a million plastic Guitar Hero guitars and threw them into a volcano, and they were like, "Yeah, look at us, we're throwing a a million rock band guitars and Guitar Hero guitars into a volcano, guys. Buy our game." And it was just like, "Okay, <laughs> why would you do that?" Why? You, you know what you're gonna do with that How money? Awesome they are. That's what. You, well, you could have maybe recouped some of your losses, I guess. But, <laughs> that's funny. I'm kind of Jeez. I still remember that uh, my power gig rise of the six string advertisement because apparently I think. I was skipping through some sites or something, and it came up as a YouTube advertisement. But like, yeah, you want to see what a million guitars sound like? Being drowned in a volcano? Yeah, that's what they sound like. Power gig. Go buy it now. And I'm just like, that made no sense. <laughs> you know, if you said, like, brother, that would be your Hulk Hogan impression. <laughs> yeah, actually. In fact, yeah. it would have done better if they had Hulk Hogan, like, playing a guitar, like, standing on a volcano while somebody dumped Guitar Hero guitars into it. That would have actually been pretty awesome, as long as he's wearing the feather boa, too. Yeah, yeah. You would... <laughs> You want to know what the sound of failure is, brother? <laughs> <laughs> See, I should be making these commercials. Somebody hire me. Look, I just came up with an awesome idea. I would have sold a million Power Gig Rise of the Six Strings right there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, did you see that commercial of Hulk Hogan? That show was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that game's got a rock. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude, yeah. 
Uh, so I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, Power Gig really didn't have that big of an advertising, I guess, budget behind it. Ubisoft will probably throw tons of money at this, and we'll see how. I guess we'll just see how it goes. But I'm not expecting too much out of it. Even if, even if let's say it's a good game, and it manages to sell, you know, more than Power Gig. You still have the lazy factor that the average person has. The reason why Guitar Hero and Rock Band are so easy is because you just hit, you hit, you hit colored buttons. Yeah, That's it. It, it, you and yeah, it takes some amount of skill, but it's not the manual dexterity it takes to play a real guitar. Otherwise, people would have learned to play a real guitar. <laughs> and, exactly. <laughs> you just—it's like nobody really gets it. Rock Band did the right thing. They gave you the option of being able to do all that crazy stuff. You know, get the full drum kit, get a guitar with actual strings on it. You know. And they gave you the option to be able to do those things, play a keyboard, actually, you know, and, and sing and do all the things that are, you know, and do them to a level that is comparable with actually really doing it, learning the real song. But it's an option. If you want to be lazy, I can sit on the couch and hit three buttons if I want to. I don't have to sit there and, you know, play like the friggin' drummer from Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> just... Every, I don't know. People got the wrong idea, and it's like people realize like five years too late. Like, wait a minute, let's bring out a guitar game where you use a real guitar, dude. Genius, totally. genius. Yeah. <laughs> it's like somebody sitting around watching Bill and Ted movies, and we're like, oh my god, I had epiphany. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It feels like we're we're time traveling. Like I don't know. Like it would have been a really cool idea a few years ago. I mean, like when Power Gig came out with it, I was like, "Oh, that's a cool idea." I didn't buy the game. It, I didn't care at that point. You know, right. I I've played all the games. You know, I've got Rock Band Three. I've got you know, I've played the other Guitar Heroes. I I didn't need a game where I you know had to do real work all the time. <laughs> yeah, who wants <laughs> to do real work? Exactly. <laughs> hey, but. We'll see how it goes. Moving on, though, let's let's talk about EA um, slapping console. Yeah, what we handed at, kind of punching console in the face. You know, uh, EA has a new hot girlfriend, and her name is PC. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. I, that. Uh, I try. Thank you. <laughs> but um, basically, EA is saying that PC could be, you know could turn into their leading platform for their business. Um, they say that the user base is already gigantic. I know, we're huge. And um, they're saying, and like they said, you know, going the retail path for PC, not so great. However, digital distribution is excellent uh, because, you know, there's more margin for them. They don't have to deal with the retailer moving units, uh, you know, physical boxes from point A to point B, uh, especially with high gas prices. Not a good idea. But um, digital distribution has high margins for them. Um, and they actually, uh, I think they, they, they sold more digitally last year. Uh, they sold like uh, over 11 million units, whereas with retail, they sold. 8 million uh, units of a, uh, actually what game was that there was a specific game that they uh, that I'm talking about here but um yeah they, they basically sold more digital units than physical units which I can understand because most PC gamers are in tune with Steam and direct to drive and even gamers gate things like that where you don't have to go to the store anymore and it's actually so much easier 
<laughs> to spend your money because it's kind of like, eh, I'll get that game when I go out. And then, like, you know, you're out in the mall and you just totally forget about it. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't yeah. you don't pass a GameStop or something like that. So it makes it makes a lot of sense um, that that EA is uh, now they're really looking into you know pushing harder into um, digital distribution. So that's cool. That's I think that's a, that's a, that's a win for us. Yeah, uh, combined with the ridiculous Steam sales that pop up every now and then, you know that's more evidence that digital distribution for PC is really looking to be an attractive platform because, I mean, how else can a gamer get a game that is a AAA title for a low price of, like, seven bucks? I mean, it blows the mind. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something where you can kind of cut, like, the, you know, you basically cut the middleman. You know, you don't have to charge $60 for a game all the time because... You know, you don't have to pay for, you know, boxes and, you know, manuals, well, which are almost non-existent now anyway, um, you know, distribution fees to go to different retailers and, and cut those deals with different retailers to have, you know, certain DLCs so that you can get, you know, so you can get the uh, the reserves and stuff like that so you can know how many games you're going to sell. I, you cut a lot of the middleman out, so maybe the prices, you know, come down a little bit. Instead of seeing sixty dollars for a game, you know, you see forty dollars for a downloadable game. Not to say that you know publishers won't get, you know, won't get money hungry and try and charge you sixty dollars anyway. But at least the possibility exists that you know you can cut some of that price out. You don't have to, you know, worry about having physical units, printing all of those discs, and just having them sit in a warehouse somewhere. You save yourself money somewhere else, so you don't have to charge the money at the end, you know, to the consumer. So I, it, there's nothing bad in it. Um, I definitely would like to see, and and it's something I have seen. You know, they're definitely more. Con, you know, consoles are definitely trying to get a hold of the idea of you know selling a full game, um, like a full down you know game that's like Infamous or Mass Effect or Dragon Age, you know, on you know for a downloadable platform. But PC has been in that for forever. You know, Steam especially has been like you know huge in that respect. So it's like they're you know really just opening their eyes for the first time and looking around and going. Like, maybe we were not taking the right train. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. But, uh, yeah, so I, that actually will roll right into our next topic, which is that PC is making console look out of date. This is actually yeah. something that we don't really have to talk. Everybody's going to agree. And if you don't agree, you're, you're dumb. I'm sorry. You already, <laughs> if you, Basically, we don't have to say much about it because when he said that, you were already shaking your head like, yeah, it's kind of making it look bad. You've seen Crisis, you've seen Battlefield 3, you know, you've seen basically every new game that's coming out. I don't have to say anything else. You, It is. I mean, that's where they're looking to say, you know, this is how good games can look. Consoles aren't really able to do all of it right now, so we're going to look to PC because they can. Yeah, and... Oh, you can go ahead long. I'm sorry. Um, I was going to say, you know, just um, I'm going to really second... Uh, your comment about, you know, if there is a console gamer who's going, oh, well, consoles can look just as good. They're just like that ostrich who's burying their head in the sand. Come on, just put your head out of the sand and take a good fresh sniff of the clean air. PC is clearly superior, guys, all because of the faster and more powerful hardware. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's clearly obvious. But I think people were probably like, well... 
you guys are just stating the obvious right now. Why are you talking about this? The reason why we're talking about this is not just because it's true, but because of something that was seen in GDC. Um, pretty much all of the new engines that were demoed. I should say new engines because Emerald 3 engine's not new, but they've made enhancements to it. So the demo they ran for the uh, updated Unreal 3 engine, Frostbite 2, and the the Crisis or the Crytek, the new Crytek engine. Yeah, CryEngine 3. CryEngine 3, yes, all on PC. I mean, the updated UT uh, uh, Unreal engine took three Nvidia 580s to run that smoothly. That's nowhere near console. You can't, you can't, can't even comprehend it. It would melt your computer. It would melt your it would melt your console. Yeah, your, your console's <laughs> like, what's that? <laughs> I think I know that's things younger sister. It's uglier, more normal younger sister, but I can't run that. <laughs> yeah, like your console doesn't even look at it. It just looks down in shame. That's it. I mean, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. Like. The, by by the people who uh, by uh, Epic and um, you know Dice and uh, you know Crytek showing these engines on PC. These are like these are like primary engines here. Besides uh, you know like the Half Life Two engine, which is still being used. Um, these are like your primary engines here, especially the Unreal Engine right now. That's a big one for consoles. And a lot of games. A lot, a lot of, of games. games. And, and not, not even games that are just made by Epic, but really like everybody in the universe uses Unreal. You know, Batman Arkham Asylum, the new Batman, uh, Arkham City, Bulletstorm just came out, although that wasn't associated with, association with Epic Games. You know, Gears. I, tons of games I can't even really think of because so many games use the Unreal 3 engine or Unreal Engine in, in general. It's it's yeah. a base, you know, it's one of the basic graphic engines for the game industry right now. And I'm not saying that all of your new games won't you won't be able to play your new games where they look like tr- well they are going to look bad compared to PC, <laughs> but I'm not, that they that they're going to run like crap because everybody's you know making their games uh, for this updated engine, but more and more developers, like developers, they don't, like, a lot of them do just want to make money. Some do. And then they'll keep making the games for you console people. However, a lot of developers actually want to push limits and make awesome-looking games, and the more power you have in your system, uh, the more powerful the console, the more powerful the PC, um, if they, if they if they can gauge how much power is going to be there, they can make AI smarter and uh, smoother animations and all this stuff. They want to do that. They want to make these groundbreaking games. So you're and it's gonna... a benefit to you as a gamer, or, or to us as gamers, actually. I mean, it, that's not something that's bad. It's just the natural progression of events, basically. Yeah, yeah so, you know, they want to put make these games. So more and more developers are going to push into you know they're gonna push into making you know uh, uh, I should say making games that are optimized for PC. Basically, what I stated earlier, I think I see more and more developers pushing into PC, especially now. Like a, a, a publisher like EA is turning their eye to PC. Hey, saying hey, this this market is huge and they can be better for us than the console market. Like you can you better believe that a lot of developers. Um, Especially the ones that are owned by EA are gonna are gonna start turning their head toward PC. The South shall rise again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys out in New Jersey can see that because I'm actually in Texas and 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go there. <laughs> he already sees that. That's actually not a joke to him. He's real. But that's he gets a little scared. <laughs> he's like, he's yeah, like, oh yeah. Nice. I, he's, he's like, yeah. I went to a town meeting last week. It's it's on the way. <laughs> no, I kid. I kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> serious, serious business. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm done bashing console for this for this podcast, because um, uh, you know EA made me feel really good about us, so I'm just happy with that. But um, the last thing we're gonna cover is gonna be really quick. Uh, it's more like a why is a big question mark here. Three words, one number. River City Ransom, two. Why? What? Why? Like, like what's he gonna say? There's a response to you. Like, nobody really has a response. I don't have a response as to why. Uh, I mean, it, what? Twenty years now since university. You know, since the original. Yeah. I can't tell you why. I mean, the only thing I could say is like maybe it's a nostalgia kick. Hopefully, it's not something that they're going to try and turn into a you know a real like three D full you know feature type of game. Hopefully it sticks to that retro style. That's the only good thing I can see coming out of it is that, you know, I mean, River City Ransom wasn't a really hugely popular game when it came out. I'm still laughing at it. You, you can't even take it right now. <laughs> seriously, I'm like, really? River City Ransom? And the thing is, like, I googled River City Ransom, and I'm looking at the uh, at the box art for it right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> so that helps. It's, That's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Some greaser guys on the front, you know, getting ready to get into a tussle in high school. Like, actually, it's a high school that looks like a prison. You know, it's yeah, it's, you know, when they're it's they're the, white. The days when we used to have people on covers, you know, like when Mega Man was an actual dude in a bad yeah. blue suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they're wearing their white Fruit of the Loom T-shirts with their tight jeans and flat tops. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to make a part two to this? Please stop. Please. I, I mean, but the game itself, I mean, like, really. I mean, from what it was, the game itself, it's inspired a lot of games after it. I mean, like, you wouldn't even have Scott Pilgrim and the, you know, the success that it had, had it not been for River City Ransom. So, I mean, like, credit where credit's due, but I really don't know why they're making a second one. I just hope that it stays retro-styled and it's just kind of inspired by the first one. And like not them trying to be real serious, like we're gonna make this an epic game like that you've never even seen before and put it in development for like eight hundred years like Duke Nukem Forever. Okay. Yeah. Well you know what? Without the Sugar Hill gang, we wouldn't really have hip hop right now, but do you see them making a comeback? I don't think yeah, so. I don't understand why. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, it, it, there is, you know, a history to it. So I guess somebody looked at it and said, like, man, I would lo- let's bring that back. I don't know why you need to. You don't. I mean, you can be inspired by a game and make something new. I, I mean, games all the time show it. You know, every game is inspired by something else, but they find a way to, you know, take something from it and make something new. Maybe we're falling into the trap of, you know, Hollywood where we can't come up with anything new to make for movies, so we're just going to remake everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, Rob, you bring a good point. That's a scary, scary precedent if mm-hmm. the gaming industry is thinking about that. I don't even want to think about that right now. <laughs> I, I do need to sleep well tonight, so let's not even talk about the gaming industry running out of ideas like the movie industry is. Let's save that for another podcast. <laughs> um, 
So this is a podcast of Jared screaming. Ah! 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 Oh! I was only a dream. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> he wakes up and then it's it's he's actually an autistic child who's looking into a uh, into a snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That that'll be a, it'll be a nightmare. But uh, yeah, that's all we really have for the news here. Uh, like I said earlier. We are going to be doing this bi-weekly now in hopes to actually get you shorter MASHcasts, which I know we did not th- we did not do successfully this time. But hey, next time we will, I promise, just like I did last time. Stop but next time we... Re- promise re- re- you until it happens, and then we're going to throw a party. And then yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Rob's paying for the party, by the way. But um, Party with myself. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, within the next two weeks, you have, in my opinion, really only two major events. You've got um, Crisis 2, and, well, I guess they, well, Dissidia is coming out. Dissidia 012, which is just part two, correct? Yeah. But that that's coming out as well. Um, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is also coming out on PC. But uh, in terms of major events or major games, I would say Crisis 2. And then you also have the 3DS that comes out on the 27th, correct? I believe so. I believe that is this month. God, you yeah. would think we should know something that big off the top of our heads, but um, we're not necessarily the ones that are uh, covering that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I really like the 3DS is like, I know it's around, but it's not really flying on my radar too much, yeah. which says horrible, horrible things about me. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> 3DS. I'm, I'm pretty positive it's March 27th. Um, so that's uh, another major event uh, that will happen before you hear from us again. Um, but yeah, that's that's all we have. Oh, oh, NASCAR no, 360. Oh. If you're a NASCAR fan, well, this is big. NASCAR 360 is actually big for NASCAR fans because they haven't had a NASCAR game in a few years. So that's true. You, yeah. That's true. No, at, to least me, the, at least PS3 people have had Gran Turismo, which had NASCAR in it, so they had something to tie themselves over. But yeah, 360 people, there you go. There's uh, a gift. Yeah. So, you know, that's for you guys. I actually do know somebody who's really into NASCAR, but I'm not going to get into that now because we need to go. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for listening, of course. Uh, any uh, any uh, comments, questions, you love us, you hate us, you want to bash us, we prefer you don't. But if you do, just go to the site, mashlessbuttons.com, comment on, on the, uh, you know, on the threads. Uh, also, you can visit us at facebook.com slash buttons and twitter.com slash site. So, uh, yeah, with all that, once again, thanks for listening. We will catch you guys next time. Adios. See you later.